years ago, uh, myself and all four of my, uh, my brothers-in-law, we were conscripted into a Saturday workday by Happy, my father-in-law, and of course, our co-founding pastor. Now, if you've been around here for a while, I'm guessing that some of you can relate to stories of Happy forcing you into labor against your will, potentially. We've got ministry time at the end for you. Don't worry, we're, we're here for you. Now, on this day, we were actually, it was, it was a grandkid work day, uh, working on some things for the grandkids because, and that's why we were all conscripted, because we were, of course, the source of all of those grandkids. Now, the main goal was to put together uh, this little playhouse and a little area for it to, to set, you know, a playhouse that kids can crawl in and, and actually be in. And so, uh, to get started, uh, a crew went to start on the playhouse. I started on a separate part where, the, where it was going to go. About an hour later, I got done, and I went to find the crew that was working on the playhouse and help them finish up with that project. I get there, things appear to be going pretty well. The walls are up, they're working on the roof, but they're a little bit stumped in this, in this, in this process. And so like some of the parts don't seem to be fitting or they seem to be cut wrong. And I, it didn't take long for accusations to start flying quickly. Like, Hap, what kind of a piece of junk, cheap playhouse did you get? I can't believe you're making us put this together. You know, all of it was, was, was quickly going downhill because we were smart guys, right? There was probably like 10 college degrees between this, the six of us in that group. So it had to be the playhouse that was the problem, right? So finally, you know, we were getting a little frustrated. I just said, well, where are the instructions that we're, we're looking at for this part right now? I wanna, I wanna see it. Maybe there was, a, there was a step that got messed up in the instructions that we can figure out and then we can get it fixed and we can move forward, right? Blank faces. We've just been working on blind faith in our own ability this whole time and I had no idea, right? It was mostly blind though, you know, mostly blind. So we're, we're, we're working on this and we're not realizing that, hey, the manufacturer of this specific product had generously gifted us with a whole set of instructions just for this particular house. We just had to admit that we needed some help, right? Now, as we did that, fortunately, after, well, a fair amount of disassembly, most of it, and then reassembly, we had a whole playhouse and it was all put together. Now, unfortunately, I read the instructions a little more closely. And right there at the beginning, it says, it should take two skilled workers about two hours to put this playhouse together. <laughs> now, in there is no mention of like six very stubborn guys putting this together. But I can tell you from personal experience, the timeline on that is about double that, okay? It took a long time to get all of this. See, in our belief that we could figure out on our own, we missed that we could just go to the source, right? The designer of the playhouse for guidance on what to do right there with that particular project. But we tried to create our own set of instructions based on our past experiences instead of just following the guidelines that were provided for us right there. See, we put our faith in our own ability to figure it out. Now, a similar thing can happen when, when, we, when we do that and, and then pursue the ministry of healing. What happens when our prayers feel like a, a playhouse that just won't quite go together all the way? when we get stuck and we feel like we just don't know where to go next, right? It can be frustrating and we can struggle because we're, we're trying to figure out the steps that are to take so that we can receive our healing or that the people we're praying for can receive healing as well. And, and, and in reality, for most of us, we've been trained in, in like a Western school of thought which looks for cause and effect. If I do this, then this will always be the result here, right? That's what we tried to apply as we try to build the playhouse, right? We've built some things like this before. We'll just apply that experience to this and it'll work out fine. But it didn't. See, what we're really looking for when we're doing that, when we're praying for healing, is a, is a set of instructions or a, a formula that tells us what to do. 
If I can figure out the formula, then I'll get my healing or the person I'm praying for will get healed. But as we've discovered over the last four weeks, this, this idea of healing in the kingdom of God is, it can be really complicated. God's a good God and he, is, and he does want to heal us and he, and he will, but we're also living in a cosmic battle. And that means that sometimes we're not gonna see the healing that we hope for on this side of heaven. We, we've learned that uh, we don't always get answers, but we do always have access to Jesus. And then we learned how uh, that we can actually be moved with the very same compassion that moved Jesus to heal uh, it, that we read about in the Bible. But here's what, what, what we don't believe. We do not believe there's a formula. We do believe there's a friendship, a relationship with a savior, the one who actually designed our bodies and this world. That's what we believe. So what about faith? Doesn't our faith play a part in all this? Right? We often, you hear faith and healing talked about together. And even if you read the gospels, you hear Jesus often mentions faith. Like after he's healed somebody, he often tells them, go, your faith has made you whole or healed or, or some variation of that, right? When people talk about people who pray for healing, usually it's people who don't actually believe in it, but they'll often call those people faith healers, right? And I've often heard people, even, even preachers and teachers who, who will, will use faith as the reason that either someone was healed or that someone wasn't healed. Maybe you've been told, like, well, the reason that you didn't get healed is because you didn't have enough faith. Or maybe the reason that that person didn't get healed is because when you prayed for them, you didn't have enough faith when you prayed for them. Well, which is it? Is it, is it my faith to pray, or is it your faith to be healed? And, and the truth is, this line of reasoning has been abused. It's sometimes been painful or hurtful to people to tell them, oh, you're, you're, you just didn't have enough faith. And, and what happens is they feel less than, less than those who maybe have received their healing. And I just wanna say, like, if that's, if that's you today, if that's been your experience, I wanna say I'm sorry. That's not okay. That's not how Jesus sees you. So my ask today is, would you stick with me long enough today to learn about a different perspective, a healthier perspective, because today we do wanna explore the role of faith and healing. Does our faith matter? And does, how does our, our understanding of faith, has it become mixed up in our own efforts? You see, we do believe that faith is an important part of healing, but how we understand our faith can either discourage or empower us in, in our walk with, with Jesus. And Jesus does want our faith to thrive as we get engaged in a healthy relationship with him and the ministry of healing, of healing because he is always faithful to us. And as we're going to discover, it's not about a formula. It's about a friendship. Would you pray as we go today? Father, I just thank you. I thank you for all who are gathered here, all who are gathered online. I thank you that you're here, that you wanna come, Holy Spirit, and be our teacher. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your guidance in Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever felt like maybe you just didn't have enough faith? I know that I have. You know, I know there was a time when I, you know, when I first came to here to this church a little over 20 years ago, I didn't come from a tradition that believed much about faith or talked much about uh, praying for healing. Not that believed in faith, but just didn't pray for healing. And so coming here and seeing all these people who like, they were praying and they believed and, and they even saw things happen sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm excited. I, so I began to believe in, in, in this, but I, as I, there was moments in, in that first part of my journey where I felt really frustrated. Like, why were the people I prayed for not getting healed? 
Why were people that I loved who were receiving lots of prayer still not getting healed, even though it appeared that the people who were praying for them had lots of faith? And, and I wrestled with the implications of these failures. Is there, is there something wrong with me? Is my faith too weak and ineffective to see, to see miracles break through? Well, what did I do? I turned to scripture, right? I've been trained well. You go to scripture, you get your answers. So this is what I, I did. I read a verse in Matthew where, where Jesus is addressing the disciples who had failed to see a boy uh, healed and delivered uh, from, from seizures. And this is what it says. And this is Matthew 17, 20. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Thanks, Jesus. That was not an encouraging verse to read in that moment. I mean... It only takes a mustard seed, tiny mustard seed speck of faith to move some of the biggest challenges and burdens and I can barely heal a big toe. Do you know how small a mustard seed is? It is tiny. Look, we got a picture. It is tiny. This was not an encouraging verse to read in that moment. What am I doing wrong? So at first glance, as I read that, I'm like, well, if you tell me I gotta try harder, I need to build my faith a little bit bigger. It doesn't have to get big, it just needs a little bigger. Apparently it's almost unseeable. So I tried to pay better prayers. I tried to do, to do good things. I tried to, to read my Bible more. I tried to really control those places where I made mistakes. I didn't want my sin or my mistakes to, to mess up my faith building, right? If I could just find that, that right formula and combination of prayers. So I copied what other people were doing. I read lots of books. And yet still, I, it, it just wasn't always working. Now, sometimes there would be a breakthrough. Oh, that person, they, they saw healing when I prayed for them. I figured it out. I'm gonna do that one next time. Pray the same prayer, do it the same way. Nothing. What's wrong? Well, that didn't work. See, this, the problem is that it, it's, it's exhausting. I, you know, I was getting to that place where I'm like, is, is it worth it? I prayed with people in our small group over and over and they didn't see changes or I'd pray for somebody at work and I'd feel foolish when nothing would happen. And you get in that place where I'm just not sure this is worth it. Is it worth it to go after this? You know, maybe it's just for that special man or woman of God who's got just the right combination of faith and that's who gets to pray for this. Have you ever been in there? Can you relate to this place where you're, you're trying to make Jesus do something for you? Like really want breakthrough and you want Jesus to do it? What, do we, what usually happens to us? What's our first step with it? We create a spiritual to-do list. You ever done that? I got an example here. We'll, we'll go through it one for you, right? Because this is what happens to me too, right? So let's do our spiritual to-do list right here. Read your Bible. Check, right? You're checking this off with me. We're doing this. Pray for 15 minutes at least. Check, maybe longer, if you're you know, a little more spiritual. <laughs> Give some extra money to the homeless shelter, check. Volunteer an extra day at the local charity, check. Listen to a boring sermon from your pastor, actively checking this one off right now. <laughs> I saw some of you nodding your heads, you're on my list. That's why I threw that in there. I see it. So now we've, we've done all those things. Now is it, is it's gonna be the breakthrough, right? It's gonna make it happen. And, and unfortunately, most of the time, it, it, it really doesn't work that way. See, none of these things are wrong. They're all good things, except for that boring sermon thing. Check your heart, not your to-do list on that one, okay? That's what I want you to do. The problem is that each of those has a problem with the starting point. See, if our starting point in these situations is ourselves and what we can do, we've got a problem. Our starting point, it has to be with Jesus. We can't work up enough faith 
in our own, in ourself. Because if our starting point is that our own effort, we have a problem. None of us has the power to actually make any of this healing breakthrough happen. Okay. So if faith isn't what I can build up on my own, and faith isn't a one-size kind of fits-all formula, then what is it? Well, let's, let's talk about faith. And there's actually, it's helpful to, to talk about the different aspects of faith that we talk about and that the Bible talks about. Because there are some different ways that we talk about faith, right? You've heard person, somebody, or somebody called a person of faith, right? So what is that? Usually that we're just referring to saying, hey, that person is, is a Christian. That's another way to say that. Or that's a person who practices the Christian faith, the practices of our, of our faith. So that's, that's one way we talk about faith, a person of faith. That's not the kind of faith we're talking about today, but that's one way we talk about it. Now, a second aspect of understanding faith is, is important because it's a foundational one. And this is our trust or our faith in Jesus for salvation. So this is our, our faith in God for salvation. And it is this idea that you are fully loved, accepted, and transformed by Jesus' work on the cross. And, th- and, this, and this, is, this is a really important one. And Ephesians actually tells us about this incredible gift that we've been given through our faith in Jesus. And here in, in Ephesians that I'm gonna read, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to Christians and he's explaining how their salvation is a gift of grace, but he's explaining how it gets there. And this is Ephesians 2, eight through nine. This is what it says. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So we're saved by grace through our faith. We don't earn it, right? It's a, it's a love gift from God through Jesus. This faith is a trust and belief in Jesus that we've received this grace gift of wholeness, that's what salvation is, and relationship with Jesus. That is important. That relationship, relationship piece is really important in, in, our, in what we're talking about today because that's a foundational piece, relationship with Jesus. Right? This belief changes everything in our lives. Right, We live from this brand new identity. We're empowered to live as naturally supernatural disciples who get to extend the miraculous to the world around us. But how do we get there? That's what we're talking about today. Because there's a third way of looking at faith, and it's this. Faith isn't just our trust in God. It can also be a gift that is given from God. Can you catch that? Our faith isn't just our trust in God. It can also be a gift from God. Now, in, in where, where, the, where do we, we this plays out in Scripture? In 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, and I won't read through all those, but these are the chapters where, where the Apostle Paul is talking about the, the gifts of the Spirit, right? And what it, what it looks like. And so these gifts are all gifts given to us by God. And in that, he talks about a gift of faith, right alongside gifts like, like prophecy and healing and wisdom and, and words of knowledge and a whole bunch of other things that he talks about in there are these, are these gifts that he has. So in this, we can see faith not just a result of our effort, but as the result of God's grace. So just as our faith gives us access to the miraculous work of God's redeeming salvation, our relationship with Jesus gives us access to God's gift of miracle working faith. Well, where does that, how does that, how does that work? Well, it, it plays out even more in, in Hebrews 12 where it talks about Jesus being central to our faith. And this is what the writer of Hebrew says about where this faith comes from. And this is in Hebrews 12 and two. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So it's Jesus who's the one who's actually uh, initiating, he's starting our faith, he's perfecting our faith, meaning again, he's making it whole and complete. He's the creator 
of our faith, it doesn't begin with us. Now, why is this so important? Well, it's important because it changes our understanding of miracle-working faith. We are not and have never been the source of any healing or any other miraculous work of God. That's good news for us. It doesn't rely on us, right? This incredible gift is given to us freely, and it is started and sustained by Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus as the healer. Means I don't have to work up enough faith to see healing. In fact, my goal is not to pursue healing. Our goal is to pursue the healer. So our perspective is changing in what we're going after here. We're pursuing the healer. So when Jesus tells us we only need faith the size of a mustard seed, we can better understand this passage and this gift of God, right? Started and sustained by Jesus. Our faith is a gift of God. Started and sustained by Jesus that is actually why it only takes a tiny amount to see miracles happen. Not because our faith is powerful, but because Jesus brought with him a powerful breakthrough of faith for us. That's why that is so powerful. Isn't that way more encouraging than to believe that I have to go build up a tiny mustard seed of faith to move a mountain? Jesus is the one that's gonna move the mountains. He's the one who's gonna author and finish my faith. That's important. I was reminded of this a few years ago. I went on a, a missions trip to Brazil. Now, on this trip, the, the team that went, it was like 80 of us, we were the, the ministry team for all the meetings that we went to. We went to a couple of different ones and a couple of different churches and places. And, and as part of that, you're praying for hundreds and sometimes thousands of people. Like, it's about a sea of people just coming at you on the, uh, for ministry. It's, it's intimidating, right? And, and sometimes there wasn't enough translators go around, so things got crazy. And I remember just feeling completely overwhelmed at times. There was just this mountain of intimidation that, that was facing me. I needed a mustard seed of faith. See, I, what I needed to do was change my, my focus from the mountain to the Messiah. So in that moment, that's what I, what I had to learn how to do. I needed a breakthrough of faith. And I wanna come back to this story, but I wanna actually go to the Bible. I wanna look at how this breakthrough of faith can look like in the scriptures. And I will look at a story that we see in, it's in three of the four gospels. And we're actually gonna watch another chip from the close, uh, clip from The Chosen uh, to actually look at, to see this. But just to set it up a little bit, this is a story of a paralyzed man whose friends had heard about Jesus. And they heard about all the miracles that he was doing. So they wanted to, they just knew if they could get their friend to Jesus, then he would be, be healed. So they heard about where he was gonna be teaching in this home and they go to that home, but it's completely crowded and surrounded. They can't get anywhere close to Jesus because of the crowds that are there. And so they're not deterred. They're like, we're, we're, we're gonna go after this. We're gonna get him to Jesus. They climb up on the roof. They're like, we're just gonna drop our friend right through the roof, right to Jesus. That's how we're gonna get there, okay? And that's where we're picking up uh, this story right now. So watch this with me. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please. That's a rope! Put it back, man! You are willing, Rabbi. I know you can do this.
By whose authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. the way that they, they depict those miracles. I don't think I can ever watch any of those miracles of Jesus in this, in this series without like starting to like tear up a little bit. It gets me every time. Now to be clear, when we say breakthrough of faith, this isn't exactly what I was talking about, like actually bre literally breaking through the roof, but it's a great little example for us, right? It fits out pretty well, right? Now, this man had some faithful friends, not just, not just faithful to him, but they were full of faith that if they could just get him to Jesus, he would see his breakthrough of healing. See, they'd heard of Jesus and they'd heard about all the incredible things that he had done and, and what it had become was a revelation of faith to them. And, and it's important, the Bible often talks about faith and says that, that faith uh, comes by hearing, right? So they, they'd heard of Jesus, they heard of who he was and they heard this good news and it became a revelation or a gift of faith to them. See, what they did in this was they made pursuing Jesus the priority. Yeah. They were willing to persevere for this man's healing, and they had to work hard for it, but they certainly didn't use a formula, right? This is the only roof drop healing that I'm aware of in Scripture or anywhere else that's happened, so please don't get any ideas about our roof, okay? I, I need none of that and none of the repairs. You're liable. But I want to read an important part of this. And, and again, I, like you said, you could read this story in, in a few different gospels. But I read from Luke chapter 5. 
It says this in verse 20, and it says something important. You kind of saw it alluded to here in the, in the thing. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Again, I noticed this. The first thing he, he says is he saw the faith of their friends. Jesus saw and he recognizes that faith and it moves him. And then what does he do? He turns to that man and he says, your sins are forgiven. That's not why he's here. What's he doing? See, that wasn't the reason he came, but Jesus knew something about this man. He knew something about this situation, what was needed, so he removed barriers to relationship before he healed him. He connected him. You see, Jesus knew that healing wasn't actually his core purpose for being here. Healing was important to his core purpose, but it wasn't. His bigger purpose was to bring the kingdom of God which simply means the rule and reign of God wherever Jesus went. He brought the kingdom of God. He talks about the kingdom all the time. What he does in that is he's here to destroy the works of sin and shame so that we could be restored to healthy relationship with God, with Jesus. So healing is a sign that points to that kingdom authority being exercised. It points back to the kingdom, points back to Jesus. And the faith of these friends that they had and this paralyzed man had, what it did is it connected them to that same kingdom authority through Jesus and the breakthrough that he brings. So how does our faith relate to healing in ourselves and in others? And first I wanna be clear something. Not every instance of healing that you read about in the Bible does it actually talk about faith. God actually can heal in his sovereign will where and when he wants. But faith is very prominent in the healing, in Jesus' healing ministry and in the healings that we see in the Bible. It's, it's mentioned often, right? And here in this one, we see this faith leading to them pursuing first a pursuit that was focused on Jesus. Healing was needed, but Jesus was the source, not themselves, right? Not this group of friends and not in, in this man. And Jesus didn't use a formula, uh, right, for bringing healing. He responded to the situation with what was needed. He didn't, he didn't always in his healings talk about sin first, but in this situation, he did. Jesus used a variety of methods to heal. Usually it was just simple prayers like, you know, get up and walk, uh, be healed, be whole, I see. Very simple things. But it was his connection to the Father, his connection to that authority that he was always tapping into, right? Bible says Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So he's tapping into that and saying, God, what are you asking me to do now? He went to the source to get his instructions for this moment today. See, we can't control healing. We can't guarantee when or who. We can only put our faith in this always accessible Jesus and we can continue to follow his example. See, the reason we're always willing to pray for people is because we always want to make opportunity for God to move in his power. That's why we are always wanting to go after it. That's why we're always willing to do it. And you see it in so many meetings. Our faith in him gives us the foundation of relationship to receive faith from him. It's not a formula. It's friendship. It's a relationship that prioritizes our connection with him and trust in the goodness of God, even when we don't always see the healing that we want. Now, I wanna come back to, to this time I had in Brazil. I've, again, I've come a long ways from those early days of, of feeling like I needed to be, uh, have success in healing every single time in order to do it right, right? I'd recognized and learned that Jesus is the focus, not whether uh, I, I succeed or not. And in this situation in Brazil, really, there's nothing else to rely on but Jesus. I had to pursue my faith in Jesus and from Jesus despite being overwhelmed by crazy circumstances. 
There was no formula because nobody could understand me. Didn't matter. So I had to learn to, to, to receive that gift of faith, to be empowered, to persevere for the healing as a minister to those who couldn't understand I word I said. But the Holy Spirit makes this incredible translator in these situations. I prayed for hundreds of people during that trip. And I saw many, many of them receive healing. It was incredible to watch. It wasn't every single one, but it was a lot. I saw people whose, whose hands couldn't move. They, they were able to move them after prayers. We saw, saw legs that had been in pain for years and they were able to walk and move without pain and same for, for backs and, and just name the injury and feel like we prayed for it. We saw even like deaf ears be opened. It was incredible to see. But here's what I want you to know. Not a single one of those people was healed by my power. None of them. Every single one of those people had an encounter with a God who loved them and released his kingdom authority as I was able to partner with him. Not because of anything that I worked up or I carried. So how can you participate with Jesus' gift of faith in healing? And there's two, two things that I want us to, to connect with. Pursue and persevere. Okay, Let's talk about that first one. Pursue is to pursue our faith in Jesus. It's not a formula. It's friendship, right? So not the quality or the quantity of our faith that makes the difference, right? Because our faith isn't the thing that makes the difference. Remember that mustard seed, right? Jesus is the breakthrough. Our connection to him is the only guarantee that we have. So, Because if we base our faith in the results of what happens, we're going to ride that roller coaster, right? Well, what happened the last time? I'm down if it didn't happen. Oh, I'm up because it happened good the last time. Again, our faith our, our, our has to be only in Jesus, where we obey his voice and we focus our faith in him. So that's pursue first that faith in Jesus. And then secondly, we persevere in healing, right? Our obedience is to just keep pressing in for healing in ourselves and in others. Do you want to guarantee that people will not get healed? Stop praying. Ask, ask yourself, has the enemy caused me to stop? What's happening in my life that the enemy has actually caused me to stop? The founder of our, of our broader vineyard movement that, that this church is a part of, John Wimber, he famously tells the story in his life of his, of his first having this revelation that God might be able to do this, but he prayed for hundreds of people before he ever saw his first healing. And in the midst of that, in the discouragement of, of what he felt in that moment, he was ready to quit. But God spoke to him and he said, I want you to preach the healing you see in the Bible, not your own experience. So his perseverance was to just obey and to continue to press in for what he saw in the Bible. That was his, his place of faith that he needed. And his perseverance taught him lessons because his life was changed when he saw that very first healing. In fact, he saw thousands of people healed uh, in his life after that. But those lessons that he learned helped him launch a movement of churches nearly 40 years ago that we are now a part of today. And we get to be empowered to train and, and lift up other people to be trained in how to pray for those who are hurting and broken. John Wimber was famous for, for his statement. Many of you have heard this statement before. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's risky. It's risky because we can't control the outcome. Our gift of faith is needed to move the mountains of disappointment and discouragement. Radical obedience means radical perseverance. And Jesus is worth it. He's worth any of the shame or the pain that we might experience because we have the hope of the world in us. We press in so we can keep releasing that hope to the world around us today. I'm gonna tell you one more story here as we wrap up. 
And this is a story from here in our church family. This is the story of, of Aubrey Strau. She's a 12-year-old uh, daughter of Jason and Laura, and this is her story. When Aubrey was 11, she was bucked off of her horse and since then had been experiencing severe back pain. For over a year, Aubrey and her parents' faith was tested as they routinely sought the help of doctors, chiropractors, medications, pain-relieving oils, and of course, prayers to help get her healthy. It was something she dealt with on a daily basis and was disruptive to her life. Nothing was bringing her the healing they sought, but they continued to put their faith and trust in Jesus for a solution. And at our most recent Christmas Eve service this last year, at the end of the service, again, we made opportunity. Aubrey came up for prayer with her parents uh, in the end of the service in an act of faith to keep persevering for her healing. And I had the opportunity in that to, to pray for her and to hear her story. And I, I remember just feeling moved with compassion as she was so close to the same age as some of my own children. And I, I felt some nervous anxiety as I began to pray. I don't think I was expecting that kind of prayer time at a Christmas Eve service, but I knew I had to keep going past that anxiety. And at that moment, as I put my focus on Jesus, I, I just felt a peace that I knew was from God. And I came to, I did something I'd come to recognize as a gift of faith and knew that God was gonna move. So I prayed my best simple prayer. And after two short, simple prayers, there was nothing flashy, but all of Aubrey's pain was completely gone. As she reported it. It was, it, well, yes, amen. Praise Jesus. It was an awesome moment as we, we celebrated it with thankfulness uh, what Jesus had done and what he'd paid for on the cross, even in this moment of celebrating his birth at Christmas Eve. And I had a follow-up email from her parents several weeks later. This is what they reported. Aubrey has had no back pain since you prayed for her at the Christmas Eve service. This is no small miracle in our household. This was something that affected her quality of life so much it caused her to miss out on activities, and it was a daily concern. We are rejoicing over this praise report. Thank you for praying for her. And as I, as I, as I talked to her, to her mom this week, I even heard stories of her being able to go sledding with her friends this winter and being able to play with her baby cousins and lift them without having back pain after. And even in this picture, she said, oh, she wore heels in that picture and she didn't have back pain for hours afterwards because of it. It, it was little things, but it was disruptive. It was over a year. See, we, we wanna create those opportunities to pray for others so there's opportunity for God to move. So let's be a people who are ready to see the mountains of sickness and pain and disease moved as we receive the incredible gift of faith from our loving God. See, I wanna have friends who are willing to bust through a roof to see me made whole. I wanna be a friend who's willing to bust through that roof to see others made whole. We aren't here to guarantee healing for anyone. Our job is simply to pursue and obey Jesus because our relationship with him is worth everything that we have every day of our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here, that you're bringing your breakthrough faith, that you're working through those mountains in our lives, God, that you're, you're giving us your gift of faith to see them moved. God, I, I sense even right now as we move into worship, would you guys all just stand for worship? Father, I just wanna pray out. Father, would you just come right now would you highlight those places where, where the enemy has tried to put mountains in our life of disappointment, of discouragement, of hurt, of pain, of numbness? And even as we worship God, I just see just, you're just breaking through to restore in each of us your gift of faith, to break off those mountains, whether you're here in person, whether you're joining us online. Father God, right now, would you just come? Meet us here as we worship you, God. Bring us your mustard seed of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.